Welcome to From the VC's Bookshelf, a podcast from TBR, the College System of Tennessee, the state's largest higher education system. In this series, we examine how we might re-envision the work we do and how we work together as we move into a post-pandemic world. Please join our host, Dr. Heidi Lemming, Vice Chancellor for Student Success, as she leads a live discussion with industry experts and leaders throughout our system. Welcome to today's conversation for our Spring 23 podcast, focusing on themes from the book, Failing Forward in Student Affairs, Using Missteps to Guide Next Steps, edited by Lisa Endersby. The book is a compilation of personal stories from higher education practitioners. All of the stories have a common theme in that the authors open up about professional failures. The editor takes a new twist, however, as Endersby states that the focus is on failure not as an action, but rather as an emotion, an identity, and a place where everyone seems to find themselves returning to over and over again. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing TBR faculty and administrators to add to the collection of stories found in the book. Interviewees will be asked to reflect on how missteps have defined themselves and become, have become a teachable moment. The book introduction states that the purpose of the book and this series is to have a failure step out from the shadows and for our stories to be completely in the spotlight, to celebrate effort over perfection, and model a depth of courage. So success is personal and so is failure, and there are no rewards for learning more or more quickly after each mistake. So with that purpose in mind, I invite you to fall forward with us today as I talk to Dr. Susan Grable. She has served as the Vice President for Institutional Excellence and Student Success at Northeast State Community College since 2019. She's also worked in higher education since 1991, serving most of her tenure at Northeast State. And before, before assuming that role as Vice President for Institutional Excellence and Student Success, Dr. Grable has worked in a variety of student success-related ro roles over the course of her career. She's a long-term Northeast State employee, participating in numerous system-wide efforts to include efforts around supporting the Complete College Act of Tennessee, their Tennessee Complete Act. In addition, she has spearheaded various institutional efforts to promote student success by applying diverse student development theories and best practices, and she oversees the college's strategic enrollment management, Achieving the Dream, and THEC student equity project efforts. So lots of good work there. Yeah. Dr. Grable earned an EDD in Educational Leadership and Policy Analysis from East Tennessee State University. Thank you for being here with me. And thank you for having me, Dr. Lemming. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Um, obviously, you've got a lot of years of experience mm -hmm. in not only higher ed, but here in Tennessee. So right. um, excited to hear some reflections. I kind of read through like a little resume there of your experience, but maybe share something a little more personal about, you know, who you are and, and maybe where you're coming from. Yeah, I'd be happy to. As I said, I've, I've worked in higher education since 1991, a long time. And um, from a work experience, that's pretty, that's my, the majority of my work. I was in the Navy prior and so I went to college all over the place. And um, at 30, I started my career at Northeast State as in uh, for my education and then went from there. You know, I think about myself and, you know, who I am as a person. Um, 
you know, I think of myself as being conscientious and dependable, uh, very much student-focused in looking at, throughout my career and my different roles, what are the needs of the students? Not just the students that I see, but the students I don't see, the ones that are online, the ones that are at different campuses. And sometimes those that struggle the most are the ones we see the least. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to help them as well. I didn't know you had a Navy background. Yeah. What, tell me a little more about that. Well, my parents had eight children and could not afford us to get, afford for us, uh, to send us to college. So I went into the Navy to um, get money for college. And so um, I, I, I was enlisted and... Uh, In fact, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about what failures, and one of my failures was in the Navy. Um, Mm. I I was um, what's called a tradesman, aviation electronics, so I have an electronics background, math and science background, and I was in um, school in the Navy, and um, I hated the Navy school, and I'm a really good test taker, so Mm. I finished the class uh, as fast as I could, got out. I um, uh, graduated with honors the fastest a female had done it. Got my choice of duty stations, but Dr. Lemming, I didn't learn the material, <laughs> and uh-huh. so I got there, and it was a failure in the fact that I had to start back all over because they thought I knew what I was doing, and I did not. Uh-huh. And so it was a it was a success, but a failure in that in that respect. Mm-hmm. And spent four years in the Navy, and then got out and, and started in higher education. Wow. So, yeah. So that's interesting to me. So when you think about like how we're teaching students, I mean, you can personally kind of think about how information is consumed and yes, (laughs) I can may not be retained. Yeah, it may not be retained. And that was many years ago. And it was self-paced courses. And Mm -hmm. so having that that type of model, what what originally was would have been called a distance learning, but it wasn't distance learning. You were at a, at a base, but you just did it on your own. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I had some very unique experiences with with learning and different learning models. Mm-hmm. So that's probably also informed your approach to working now on a college campus and, it has. and working with students. Yes, definitely. Cool. All right. See, I always learn something about people that I think I know fairly well. But <laughs> this is great. Um So, yeah, so that was one story, I guess. But also, you know, I always try to um, have folks tell me how they define failure because I think all of us kind of interpret that a little differently, and that also shapes probably how you're going, hopefully later in this podcast, share other experiences. So how do you define that? Well, you know, in looking at it and thinking about that, how I used to define failure was the lack of meeting expectations, not succeeding. And it's it's painful. Now, my definition over time has changed mm-hmm. to a, a lack of a, a failure. It means, yeah, you may not have met those expectations, but you have an opportunity for improvement, an opportunity for growth. And for me, that's the what I want to, I really want to focus on. I talk with students about that when they come in with, with challenges. And this is an opportunity to learn and to grow and to catch failures early. Mm-hmm. Um, not, don't let them build. Right. So let's get into it. Let's let's sure. talk maybe about some more kind of professional um, experiences with failure. Um, we know it happens to everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, it, we accidentally reply on an email that we shouldn't have or say something we shouldn't have. We slip up. 
you know, those are easy mistakes to kind of overcome. You just kind of move on. But um, as you reflect back over life and career, mm-hmm. um, can you think of more, I guess, consequential mistakes that have been made? And, and of course, wherever you're comfortable here sharing, sure. um, kind of talk about like what you learned from that experience. Yeah. So failure for me, one of my, I don't know, it's my motto or the themes that I live by, and I talk with my staff about it as well, is if this is the worst thing that happens to us today or this year, we're in good shape. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it is pretty bad. Mm -hmm. And so those can have more um, long-lasting impacts. And I think for me, reflecting back on that, um, a failure that for me was um, at an institution where where things weren't going as I felt that they should. Mm-hmm. Um, there were um, policies being put into place, practices that I felt were not appropriate for the institution. We were going in a direction I felt was, was inappropriate. So where I felt my failure was, was how I handled it, Heidi. Mm-hmm. It was, was too abrasive, too abrupt. And so what I ended up doing is not helping and supporting the institution and moving forward in the way I handled the situation. It, it also, it hurt me professionally. And so um, not going into specifics about the details, because those aren't really important. The, what's important is uh, we talked about the emotional part of it. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, that's the truth. All right. So let's get into it. Let's um, talk a little bit about some other examples of learning from our mistakes. You know, again, everyone has this happen. We make a, a reply or a comment that we shouldn't and we slip up and it's easy to kind of um, apologize for that. But, you know, as you think back to kind of more the consequential mm-hmm. mistakes um, that maybe you've made and, of course, whatever you're most comfortable sharing um, you know, what are some things that you've learned from those mistakes and maybe how you bounced back? Sure. You know, one of the things that I talk about um, with my employees, and it's one of the ways I live, is thinking about if this is the worst thing that happens to me today or this week, we're in good shape. Um, and for most things, that's true. You just you, you take those mistakes and you learn from them and you move on immediately. Some of them are more consequential. And thinking back through the different um failures that I have had in my career, one that comes to mind was actually a failure in how I, how I responded. And it was not helpful for the institution and it wasn't helpful for my personal career. There's a situation where at the institution um, policies and procedures were going in a way that I felt were harmful for the institution. And I felt very passionate about that. I still do. Mm-hmm. But the way I responded was not helpful. It wasn't helpful for the institution. It wasn't helpful for me personally. You know, when we have employers talk to us about our students, and this isn't just with Northeast State, these are just kind of typical. Mm-hmm. One of the things you hear about the importance is soft skills. And this is where I think my huge failure was, was in those soft skills and how I responded um, from an emotional intelligence standpoint and looking at it from a professional standpoint and what was how I responded to help the institution the best. Mm-hmm. That's really important, I think, right now, because a lot of people, I think, coming out of COVID are kind of hypersensitive right. on some level. And, and so I can relate to this. You know, sometimes the things that maybe normally you would be able to roll with a little bit better. Right. Maybe you've just been worn down so much that now you're going to have a stronger reaction to. And so 
you know, even thinking outside of higher ed and for the listeners thinking about, you know, reflecting on that emotional intelligence piece you just talked about, mm-hmm. right? Like, what are the other things that are kind of shading that? What are affecting that right now in the context? Because it, it, it does become maybe personal in some it way. It does. And I think you're right with COVID and with the pandemic. Um, I've seen this within the institution where um, it is personal. People are under a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. And so I think when we look at that in, in reflecting back upon failures, my failures um, specifically, um, I am responsible for those failures and trying to unpack that in seeing what, what caused those failures. Um, oftentimes, there are things that happened in the past, and our, all of our pasts impact the way we act and react. There's things, other things that are going on um, presently. And so having the ability to take that information and reflect on it, reflection to me is key. Mm-hmm. And um, how I learn and grow. One of the things, Heidi, that I've learned to do, and I think I've learned from this situation, is not only just to reflect and say, well, I should have done it this way. For me, that's, I mean, that's helpful, but it's like, for me, it's like saying I should go to the gym. Mm -hmm. You know, well, yes, I should. But there needs to be some action behind that. And so for me, with, with this situation and for life and with failures, it's about taking that reflection and visualizing, okay, how should I react it? And thinking about it and making those mental models of how should I handle this in the future? Because for me, I suspect for a lot of people, when we're stressed and you have those huge failures you see coming up, we revert back to what we know. Mm-hmm. And so for me, having those mental models and thinking through it and, and kind of rehearsing it, this is how I should have handled it, helps me then um, moving forward and not having those same failures happen again. Right. So I had two thoughts come across my mind as you're saying that one about kind of thinking about like self-forgiveness right True, exactly not sitting in that moment <laughs> forever exactly <laughs> and I, I i talked with about this before i said I've, I've talked with employees before when there have been um there's been missteps and about if this is the worst thing that happens we're okay we're okay and i've said i'm not saying that flippantly mm-hmm. what happened yeah it it there are, there are consequences, there are issues that we've got to work through. But let's work through them. Mm-hmm. Life goes on. Let's fix it. And it's okay. And when we think about this work with students, because, right. I mean, this is the work that you and I are engaged in all the time. Yeah, exactly. You work directly because you're on a campus now. But, um, you know, that lots of conversation professionally um, in the last several years about thinking about trauma kind of informed right. practices and the backgrounds that our students are coming to us with and being sensitive to that in how we're communicating with them mm-hmm. and working with them. So make that connection for me, what you just talked about and, and that piece, because a lot of our listeners might not know that we're engaged in this work. Right. Yeah, we have at our campus, and again, this is nationally, um, there are more mental health issues than what we had had prior. And so we're working a lot with more of those trauma, trauma-informed decisions that are happening with our students. And so helping them understand those same principles. Um, you need to be accountable, you need to be responsible, and we're here to help you. It, we're not, it's not a gotcha. You know, we're here to help you. And so part of it, again, is, is looking at how do we get to those students? 
how do we get the students that, that are, are experiencing that trauma and um, pull them in? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, we talk about this in different respects, uh, Heidi, going with, for example, focus groups. It is really easy to get the high performers in on focus groups. It's harder to get the students that may be struggling to come into focus groups. So how do we get engaged? Can we engage those, those students? We have conversations about that all the time. Those that are trauma-informed, reaching out to them, looking for different methods and making them un- feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, making them feel it's okay. We're here to help you. Right. You know, you think about it from a higher education perspective. If they don't feel safe, those Maslow hierarchy of needs, if they don't feel that safety, that security, they can't learn. Mm-hmm. So from even from a practical standpoint as a higher ed professional, it's really important. Right. That's good. Well, and, you know, one of the things I um, note in the book, the contributors of the book mentioned failures, a lot of like other value-based um, constructs and that it's kind of intersectional. So talking about kind of the social, cultural, deeply personal connections. And so when you, again, think back on um, how you've worked through those failures, do you do you see that for yourself? Because, I mean, you're coming from, you just shared a, a family that had a lot of kids and mm-hmm. you had to maybe figure out a way to get through college. You're a female working, well, gosh, in the Navy, I don't know, at the right. time, maybe you were a minority. Very um, much so. In that context. So um, all those kind of different aspects of who you are that, that crossover, how do you see that playing out? I think it's really important, and I think it does impact us. It impacts us all. Um, we don't live or work in vacuums. You know, it, it is the whole package. And so um, it's important for me as an individual to realize that about myself and that self-forgiveness and saying, it's okay, I messed up, whether it be a small mess up or a huge mess up, I messed up. And moving forward, it's that important for me um, in talking with students and letting them know. There's a book that I keep in my office. It's actually a children's book. Mm-hmm. It's called, um, the, uh, I think it's Five Blind Men and the Elephant or The Blind Men and the Elephant. And, and the, the premise of the book is about these um, blind men are feeling an elephant and they, they have a different principle or idea about what an elephant is based upon what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. And, what, and so... I use that book a lot um, when I'm talking with students, when I'm talking with employees, when I am, I'm personally having struggles. Um, not only from, it, of course, the, the context of the book is, the premise of the book is that, you know, hey, there's other things going on here. And you need to be able to look at all sides of that elephant. Often we'll, uh, we'll talk about it in our division meetings about unintended consequences. Hey, let's look at the elephant. What are those unintended consequences? Mm-hmm. We also talk about it from our students' perspective and about the, the intersection about all of these different experiences and emotions and, and serving the whole student, serving the whole employee. What are we seeing? What are we not seeing? They all have value, and we may not know all the pieces, and certainly, I am responsible for how I act and react, and so is everybody. But knowing that and feeling it sometimes gives us a different way to act and react to students and how we interact with them and com- versus coming down hard versus trying to understand the why mm-hmm. um, behind the story mm-hmm. and, and helping them through it versus just trying to, you know, 
having that hard hammer to me is, is the last resort. First, let's try to help them grow and learn. Um, I, that's what I would want somebody to do for me. Right. Yeah, we all want that, right? Some right. kind of acceptance. Acceptance and grace. <laughs> exactly. Yes, we need lots of grace. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some tools that you've adopted along the way to help you in this process? Um, reflection. Reflection is probably my biggest tool. Having mentors has been very helpful for me. Um, and both um, direct mentors, when I've, when I've talked with them about being a mentor, and, and a lot of our indirect mentors, and just watching and be in their behavior and how how do they respond to and I talked about a challenging system a situation where I really feel I failed I just bombed it and how I reacted and quite frankly I knew at the at the pinnacle of it I was I was bombing but it was it was just it bombed um, and so reflecting on that and saying okay let's see how some other people are handling it how are they helping to persuade and, and be um, encouraging and helping as in enforcing or not enforcing it's not the right word um, really helping to push initiatives that we felt were the best for the institution um, in ways that were appropriate and positive and had a positive impact so those mentors are really important to me they continue to be both as I said personally and 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 um, and those I don't even know that I use them for, for mentors. Lana mm-hmm. Hamilton, who is uh, mm-hmm. the former vice chair, I knew her for 30 years. And we were close friends and mentors uh, for each other and just being able to talk through things. And that was one of the things, too, Dr. Lemming, I was thinking about. Because Lana and I did this type of dialogue through this time. And, and when I had that huge failure, I thought, okay, where did I, where did I, where was the breakdown between what? Our discussions and, and trying to move forward and move the situation forward versus what I, my actions of, of allowing it to boil over and I thought you know what it was for me was I hadn't put it into practice and visualizing it I hadn't studied studied it it's kind of going back to um, what, I, what I talked about saying I need to go to the gym versus going to the gym versus in, the, in, in this sense it's the same way of saying yeah I know I need to really work on how do I make have positive influences versus you know, role-playing that in my mind so that when those emotional situations come up. So those are the two things that I think have really helped reflection and then finding those those mentors that I felt like I could talk with and or really model my behavior after. Well, and you um, might very well be a mentor to folks right now. Maybe mm-hmm. you don't even know that you are, right? Kind of like you were saying, some right. people maybe. And I think for know. all of us, you know, it's one of the things that we, you know, we are mentors to others and we don't we don't even know it. Uh, one of the other things that I, in, in that I have, I work with an individual. I work with individuals in in mentoring them, um, and it kind of relates to this and uh, to my own situation. Um, there is a country song called Five O'clock Somewhere," mm-hmm. and in that song, it talks about um, keeping it between the navigational buoys, mm-hmm. and so. Um, that's something I learned from this experience and something I talk about with others is buoys can expand or contract. Um, they are not necessarily fixed in the ocean. They, they're, they're usually mobile. They, they can come in and out. And within our professional life, mm-hmm. there are times where those buoys need to be in. Mm-hmm. The situation I talked about, the buoys needed to be in more. There are other times the buoys can be out. So for me, using stories is, is a big piece of that. 
blind men and the elephant, but help finding ways to help people, help Susan mm-hmm. re- relate to what, um, you know, the experiences that I'm having and, and to put those into practice. Yeah. Well, and thank you for mentioning Dr. Hamilton uh, in your thoughts there. For our, for our listeners who might not know, yes. Dr. Hamilton um, was uh, in the T-Bear system for quite some time, uh, worked at Northeast State, became yeah. Jackson State's president, and then came to the system office uh, as our vice chancellor for academic affairs. And uh, she passed away several years ago mm-hmm. um, very uh, unexpectedly. And so um, we honor her in that remark. Um, because that is a lasting legacy that she had for many of us, actually, and being a mentor and yeah, someone that we look up to. So thank you for raising her in our thoughts. Um, so any other, you know, when you think about um, kind of over the, the course of time and the reflections that you did, even in preparation for today's mm-hmm. podcast, um, any thoughts about where maybe you didn't push yourself enough uh, in that? Yeah, I would say there are different times in my career that I didn't push myself enough. And, and that can be fear-based mm-hmm. in thinking, okay, I'm going to get in trouble if I do this. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about how um, different people react. We've, um, we've been through different situations through the pandemic. And that can create fear in people in having to um, juggle different situations. And, and for me, there have been very clearly situations where I, I – there was a fear in in how he reacted, and even going back to the one premise that I'm talking about this the the situation, part of my such problem I think was that I didn't direct I didn't address it soon enough, mm. and so therefore it built up, mm-hmm. and so I I think that's um, I think that's a key is addressing fear soon enough, addressing those failures soon enough. Um, and, and being okay with that, fail, that fear of failure. Um, you have to go through the river to get to the other side, and you can't keep avoiding going through it. And so being able to start taking those steps with um, in, in smaller pieces, it's easier to go to A to B to then to A to Z. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's what I learned from those situations where I, where I didn't take a step because I was afraid of failure or of rejection or being silly. Um, so learning that is, it's a key piece. It's, I think it's a key piece for me. It's a key piece for my maturity. It's, it's okay. And so much of this, I'm like, gosh, you know, we never outgrow it. Like no, we don't. I remember being that way as a teenager and now, yeah. you know, getting close to mm, 50, <laughs> um, you know, like I still have moments that I experience that you're sure. talking about that too. Like that is a common thing that all of us, but, but for some reason we always kind of feel like we're on an Island. I think sometimes yeah. with this, right. I think, I think you're right. I think everybody thinks everybody else has, they, they got it going on. They know exactly what they're doing that, you know, they don't worry about failure and or, and or they're not failing to the same extent that I am. Um, but it's human nature. It's very much human nature. There's There are books about it. There's um, books about um, the broken road, both books, there's songs about it. And if you listen to those songs or you read the books, it's about failing and overcoming failure. And you get up and you try again and you, you work at it. And then um, there are some really unexpected, unintended and unexpected good consequences that can come out of failure. You know, oftentimes for me, I look at, oh my gosh, what are the bad things that are going to happen from this failure? Sure, 
It can be painful. It hurts. It can be embarrassing. There have also been some wonderful things that have happened out of failures and things that I never would have gotten to experience if I hadn't had those those failures. Sitting here talking to you today is one of those, is this having um, my, my professional career take a different path um, and then and getting more experience with student affairs again. I'd had mm-hmm. quite a bit when I was a director of the Elizabethan campus and having those other experiences led me here to you on that broken road. Mm-hmm. And so it is. And, and then having coming here and, and in this role as the vice president for institutional excellence and student success, I fail all the time, Heidi. What I hope to do is not to have huge failures, catch the failures when they're small, say you're sorry, make amends, and move on. Mm-hmm. Not beat yourself up over that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, there's lots of good stuff here that I hope um, we've got maybe perspective uh, students listening to this who might come back to college. They're fearful about what right. that might mean. And again, just the encouragement of trying to embrace that fear and moving forward and working exactly. through it um, because there are surprises potentially on the other side. There of that, are. Right? Yeah, exactly. And, and yes, for the students, it, there are great things in a way. I know it can be scary because you do feel like everybody else knows or I don't want to ask the professor or a student affairs professional because I don't want, I don't want to look silly. I don't, want to, I don't want to fail. We all feel that way. It's human nature. Well, and some of us are just really good at faking it. I mean, yeah, let's be honest. I know, exactly. <laughs> you think I got I know. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, so we're getting close to the end of our time. I always like to ask uh, folks that I'm interviewing, so final thoughts. Um, you know, as you think back, if you could impart some words of wisdom to our listeners today, yeah. what's the one thing that you would leave them with? I think I would, I would say to go for it. To, again, I would say um, embrace your failures. Don't be scared of them. And to take those steps where the failures may be more manageable. You know, sometimes, again, we, I think we wait and we get so scared and then it's, it's, you have a huge failure. And I look at and talking with students, I would go within the classroom or without within the classrooms. If you're struggling, it's, you know, talk to your professor, talk to the student, uh, student affairs professionals. We're here to help you. Don't wait until the end of the semester. Catch those where you feel you're failing. And it may not even be a failure, Heidi. It may, it's just a growing learning experience. Growing can be painful. And so take those experiences learn from them, address them, go forward. And we look forward to what great things um, we all do. The students, our employees, we look forward to what you do as you work through those failures. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fall forward. Fall forward. Fail forward. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. Enter the conversation, learning more about you and um, look forward to future endeavors together. Yes, I do too. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this edition of From the VC's Bookshelf, brought to you by TBR, the college system of Tennessee, powering the state's economy and changing the lives of thousands of graduates starting successful careers each year. To learn more about upcoming book selections or to register to attend discussions live, visit tbr.edu slash bookshelf.